Happy holidays from Dr. Bewell. I know that most of us associate the weather getting chilly with flu and cold season, but here at Dr. Bewell, we call it bad sugar season. As Americans, we generally eat like shit. During this time of year, with the holiday and other related stresses, those horrible eating practices tend to get kicked into overdrive. We offer a solution in the form of full-spectrum RSO-infused raw local honey because we shouldn't be walking around eating nerd rope all day. This holiday season, why not let the bees handle the heavy lifting that your sweet tooth demands, while adding a little giddy-up to your mood and smoothing out the rough edges we all tend to find at holiday parties, gatherings, and events. So, from all of us in the Dr. Bewell family to you and yours, we wish you a beautiful holiday season. And don't forget... Dr. B. Well, honey, is the best cannabis stocking stuffer on the market. I think it's fair to say that most people know how vital strength training is for long-term health and fitness, but find it hard knowing where to start. I'm here to say that also included me, Dr. Steve. You want to make sure you're doing exercises correctly, you don't want to get hurt, and you have no idea how to structure a workout program to get the best results. I've been there. In fact, this is where I found myself a few months ago. That's where on-target fitness comes in. At OnTarget, every client gets their own custom strength program, tons of individual attention in their unique small group format, and the common sense nutrition and health coaching necessary to make a lasting lifestyle upgrade. As a new member of OnTarget, I'm not only seeing major changes in my body, but also in my overall quality of life. In the past, I've struggled with using proper form. Well, let me tell you, whether it's Coach Joe or Coach Ryan, they've got you covered with technique. Even movement patterns as simple as walking have improved since I've started. When I was working out by myself without a program, I was often lost and lacked the motivation to challenge myself. Not at On Target. The energy and support in the group dynamic is truly game-changing. I have so much fun every time I work out. If you're ready for lasting change, don't hesitate to schedule a complimentary strategy session at www.ontargetfit.com. During this session, you'll learn a lot, make a plan, and only move forward if it's right for your budget, schedule, and goals. I met with Coach Katie, and she was awesome. So please, if you need that giddy-up back in your life, get on over to ontargetfit.com and schedule your session today. Welcome back. Today, we have an extra special treat for everybody. On my show today, we have a gentleman who has been pioneering the lab space in the Seacoast area since the 1980s. Uh, This gentleman has uh, been, you know, starting labs at first, uh, helping out soil, water, and air testing, making sure that our environment was was sound. Uh, You know, he did that at Absolute Research Associates. Uh, He then decided to take his talents uh, to the cannabis space, where he started Cat Lab, which is a full cannabis testing lab. and I'm, I'm so excited to, you know, to talk to this gentleman today, my, uh, my guest, Guy Sylvester. Thank you. Nice to be here. Absolutely, man. How's it going? It's going great. It's going great. Yeah. The, um, the, I'm so uh, I'm very grateful to you for coming on the show today because the, the, the te- you know, I'm a pharmacist by trade. That's what my background is. And so I've spent some time in a lab. You know, I know how to do, so, you know, some of these processes of some, you know, or at least I, I shouldn't say I know how to do them. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I read how some of these processes are done, I can kind of understand what's going on a, a little bit. Um, so I just have a, a ton of respect for, for you and, you know, in providing this for, uh, you know, for the industry. 
uh, you know, patients definitely, um, you know, we definitely need, uh, you know, safe, safe medicine for people and safe recreational products for people. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think, uh, you know, when I was younger, I was probably a pretty good chemist. I think, uh, as I got older, I know how to pick the good chemists. So, uh, uh, both both laboratories, uh, Absolute Resource Associates as well as Cat Lab in Elliott, Maine, uh, have some great, great employees and uh, really good chemists, and they know what they're doing. Yeah, no, that that's a that's a uh, you know an amazing thing, and a lot of times, big you know good business leaders that I see, they uh, you know they they have those feelings. You know, it's like I'm 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 really good at finding good. You know, I'm, yeah, I could be a chemist, but is what I'm really good at is finding better chemists. Right. Um, and doesn't, that's a skill, right? Like, um, you know, you have to at least like, uh, you know, podcasting, for instance, Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time. He couldn't draft a player to save his life. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is there's different, there are a hundred percent different skills. Right. So like, and two, like in honing that skill is like such a, a, a thing that we need to be able to, to do it. Like we, you have to know chemistry to be able to pick the chemist. Right. Right. So that's a cool thing. I think. Not only that, you need uh, the right culture. You know, you need to have people that um, have great integrity, good ethics. Uh, you don't want people skipping corners. Um, you know, we have a, a PhD chemist as our lab director up in uh, in Elliot. Um, the the lab director that did work in Portsmouth uh, went away about six years ago to have some babies, and I brought her on recently as the uh, as the QA officer. At uh, at Cat Lab, so she's working part time for us there, and uh, the the top chemists, our organics lead, as well as our technical director, both have you know decades of experience. And um, uh, the one thing that I do is I trust them that if they they don't know how to do something, they stop and they find out. They just don't uh, move forward with things unless they know it's right. Yeah, they don't cut corners. No, never cut corners. Uh, ethics is is extremely important in our industry. Yeah, it's the in the lab industry. I think it's like the it's probably like the most important thing is having integrity, having mm-hmm. good ethics. Because I, uh, you know, I, I know just like at first, you know, this is something I don't know if it's still going on, and not that it was this market specifically in Maine, but just in cannabis markets, like a, a you know a common thing that's talked about is like, oh, I go to this lab and they give me these numbers, and then I go to another lab and they give me other numbers. You know, whether that's like you know THC percentage mm-hmm. or whether that's pesticide testing or heavy metal testing. Um, you know, it's there. There's different numbers, so there is you know there is some of that. So you need integrity. Yes. Yes, and I've I've heard all those things in the past. Uh, I also did a little bit of my own study where I took, you know, several samples off the shelf, and I um, I uh, ground them up so that I could get some homogeneous samples, and I split them up between the three labs that were operating at that time, and all the results came back uh, within a couple percentages of each other, um, actually within one percent of each other with uh, THC. So I, I had no doubt that uh, if there's a discrepancy most of the time, it's you know where you picked it on the plant or are there stems or are there leaves of the bud. But if you just take the buds and you grind it all up and you split it between the labs, the numbers are going to be extremely similar. What a, uh, what a great way to, uh, you know, to have some um, like solidarity in that you, you should, you should publish that you should, you know, you should do it again and do it, a te- you know, do a test out and say like, Hey guys, this is, you know, for all the operators that have been saying that, guess what I just did. I just did this and these are what, and these are what the test results are. And the numbers, the numbers don't lie. That's the good thing is like the numbers, they, right. they don't lie as long as 
everything is done correctly on the back end. You know, you can, you know, we know all the, the different biases and the levers that they can pull in statistics and stuff and within studies. But with the, if the numbers are true and it's a, it's a true study, um, you know, they're, they're not going to lie. Right. Did, right. did you do um, any of like, did you do any pesticide testing or like heavy metal testing with that or? Uh, I didn't. Pesticides wasn't regulated at the time I did it. Uh, they just came on board this uh, beginning January this year. Uh, the, uh, the heavy metals, uh, we did not. Uh, I, di- I did do some studies between myself and one of the other laboratories, and our results were almost identical right down the line. Cool. Okay, so you are you are doing it, and that's a do you, and you have a good relationship with all these labs. I do. Okay, I that's do. great. That's great because I feel like the that community does need to come together and be its own separate. They're like they don't need to be like um, uh, like sheriffs of the industry, but they need to be people who are are to, you know together they're understanding they have their processes that are that are um you know that that are all the same and you got you told me that that's kind of kind of what's going on up there right that most of the most of the uh, processes are the same most you guys are doing the same thing up there yeah most everybody uh we certainly do the same processes i think uh three of the labs out of the four now uh do uh, run the same equipment and uh, if they're not from the same manufacturer they're at least the same equipment but okay. in some cases, they're even the same manufacturer. Oh, that's really cool. And and another thing is too is you you know you had told me that um, the same you're using the same equipment that uh, you know in cannabis testing that you're using uh, in your other research uh, you know right. uh, for the uh, air, soil, and water. Right. So at Absolute Resource Associates, they use a uh, liquid chromatographer with two mass specs built into it. They call it a triple quad, and that's used for PFAS, which is the forever chemical that is uh, uh, in the news a lot these days. And we use the same instrument, uh, a liquid chromatographer with two mass specs as detectors for pesticides. Yeah. And the, uh, yeah, the, the polyfluorinated substances. Yes. Polyfluorinated substances. Okay. Now those are that, that can you, what are, what is a, what is a PFA, a PFA, a PFAS? Well, actually, there, where it came from was uh, Teflon. So years ago, as everybody was buying up, you know, Teflon pots and pans because you cook and it didn't stick. Uh, but eventually, those pots and pans either get thrown away and they get into the, uh, you know, soil and then into the groundwater tables. And then we end up drinking it or you're cooking with it and you're getting exposed to it that way. So uh, it's it's uh, research has shown most people today have it in their blood system at, at very low levels, but the younger you know babies and things of that nature when you uh, as they grow and they continue to get exposed to it, it's a problem. Have we started to curb that at all? The 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 PFAS. Uh, it's 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 becoming more and more pronounced as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the the laboratories that are doing the PFAS work are very, very busy right now. That's, uh, that sucks. That sucks that we're, you know, we're, we're poisoning our earth and we're poisoning the earth that we're leaving behind for our kids. Yeah. I That's think, really tough. I think they're learning. I think some of the uh, many towns are putting their own filtration systems in and they're all testing. So the good thing is everybody's testing for it now so they know if it's there and they know when their water's clean before it goes out to the public. So is that like, is that what happens is like a town, you know, they test all their water and they, then they, um, they treat it 
for whatever you know for whatever they yes. have to treat it. Now, can you treat it for PFAS? They, you can filter it. You can filter it. Yeah. Okay, you can filter it, and that's like a micron filter because it's the it's just the size of yeah. the molecule. Uh, micron filters usually they're reverse osmosis is okay. one of the better ways to do it. Okay, C- can you can you explain re- reverse osmosis yes. for the audience? Uh, reverse osmosis is more along the way of of when you're when you're filtering and. I would say you are uh, f- reversing the uh, the filtration pr- process so that you can um, get smaller and smaller particles to be filtered out, um, and it's it's done. It's done. Um, uh, let me see. What's the best way to explain it? Um, I would say that it's uh, probably the better way to explain it is you have uh, chemicals that go through filters, but when the pores are not small enough to catch these very minor particles, uh, the reverse osmosis is more of a, of a reaction that you can... Uh, tighten right that up. No, so yeah. like tighten that up because it goes against the gradient, so it comes back. Yeah, it does, and... Um, I'm not doing a very good job no, of explaining it, but uh, that's okay. Does it have anything to do with pressure? Uh, well, w- any of it does when you when you're you know pressurizing it through filters. Yep. But um, I think the bigger uh, the bigger issue is that the the the, my, the uh, municipalities and the states are all testing. They're all aware of it, and they're filtering the materials out before it's going out to the public. Yeah, that's that's so important that, that we're doing that. Because, like, I, I um, you know, I think about it all the time, like water, right? Like, you, you look at water, and, and we just see it, and it's something that is – it always looks – unless it's dirty and it's, like it, – it, and it, it's discolored, then, mm-hmm. like, obviously then you know maybe something's wrong with it. But, like, a lot of the time that's not the case. Water is completely crystal clear. It looks good. It tastes okay. Um, but then it's, it's really – there's a ton of shit in there for you. Right, and that's why most of the labs are looking at you know parts per million or parts per billion, and when you're looking at parts per billion, you really can't see it. You most of the time you can never smell the contaminants. By the time you smell a contaminant, it's usually a bacteria of some sort. Uh, when you have chemicals, uh, unless they're solvents of some nature, then you you can't smell them either. Okay, so that that's that's. Um that makes sense. So, like, unless it's like a solvent, unless you're mi- mixing like alcohol and water together, then you know you're going to be able to smell that. But if you're just putting other chemicals in the water, it's it's just going to kind of be there, right? And be masked, right? So, you know, in in the past, a lot of the chemicals were uh, from uh, a lot of the hazardous waste facilities. Uh, they would hazardous materials would go into uh, commercial dump sites, and the commercial dump sites would and have water or rain, and it would get into the drinking water table. Uh, these days, they go to specialized hazardous waste facilities, and there's uh, materials that go with drums, or there's materials that uh, uh, that have plastic liners, and uh, the materials, the contaminated materials, cannot get into the drinking water. Yeah. Okay. Do do we worry about any of that, pl- like the plastic leaching, or is it a specific plastic that yeah, doesn't do that? Yeah, they're specialized plastics that doesn't leak through. Okay, so that's pretty. That's cool that we've been able to at least invent that. Yeah. I know, like plastics is like a pretty bad thing, and there's like microplastics right, everywhere. Right. That's another thing, right? Right. If you um, if you look at any specialized uh, waste sites, they actually have uh, monitoring systems on there, and then monthly or quarterly basis, uh, people 
usually environmental engineers or consultants will go out and take samples from these places to make sure it's not leaking or it hasn't broken through any of these uh, these pl- these plastic liners. It's it's pretty amazing what um you know what the stuff that actually has to go on to to keep three hundred and thirty million people safe. Right. Right. And, and we're kind of safe. You know, it's like this, it doesn't always work. That's not always the best system. And depending on the area you're in, you might be getting some unsafe water. It's definitely I know I've seen it in times in, in our country when that when that's happened before. Right. You also have individuals that have, uh, you know, some people are more immunocompromised. Uh, they might react differently to different chemicals. Other people can tolerate it, particularly if they haven't been exposed to it. and They don't have any um, immunocompromised situations within their own system. And their immune system is uh, is is built well, uh, but then at the same time, you know, allergies. You can you know that just by watching allergies. Some people are allergic to certain uh, chemicals or molds, uh, and others are not, and can tolerate it very well. Yeah, that that's super interesting. That that we can that some people are able to tolerate stuff. You know, it makes sense, right? Like you have an an allergy to it. You have an allergy to a mold. I I always would have thought that like we're we're all allergic to mold. You know, we're allergic to, we're all allergic to mold, but it's, it is like a sensitivity scale. You're telling me. Yes, it is absolutely with, with mold. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's one of the things that, uh, there's a department at absolute resource associates that has an indoor air quality, uh, department and they go to either, uh, commercialized, uh, buildings or residentials. Uh, we work with the military and they will actually go out and, uh, investigate where individuals have been complaining about their health. And then we look for anywhere from Legionnaires' disease to asbestos, lead, mold, uh, mic- other microbials, and uh, and once we find them, uh, we bring specialized companies in to clean them up. Uh, cool. Well, now, Legionnaire disease. What what is that? Uh, Legionnaires' disease is, a, is another bacteria that can uh, basically it's. It's funny because uh, when I first started looking into it, I was wondering, well, where does it come from? But it's actually in drinking water it's just very very low low levels so it doesn't harm anybody but if you have uh, warm water that is stagnant and sits for a while and it can be in a hot water heater or in a a shower uh, faucet and if it sits for a while uh, and starts growing because it's incubating then it gets to the level where it can harm us and that's where the bacteria becomes very dangerous. Topically, or do we have to ingest it for it to be uh, dangerous? Generally, you breathe it in. You breathe it in. Yeah, okay, so, through, through water. Yeah. So wow. if you go and you turn a hot shower on that hasn't been used in a while, and there happens to be Legionnaires uh, bacteria, it gets aerosol, aerosolized, and we breathe it, and that's when you get infected. Wow, that's pretty funky, man. Yeah, that's pretty funky. You know, that's the stuff that that's like what you're, you know, you're protecting people against is the stuff that we can't we can't see really. Right. right. You know, sometimes you can smell it, but you 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 even said it like when it's mixed with water, it's so hard to 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 you know to get those outcomes where we are smelling something or seeing something. Right. Right. Um, the 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 mold. Like I thought my like the last place I lived in, you know, it was a there was this awful basement, you know, and I had a dehumidifier going, but it was, I, I probably didn't change as much as I should have. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I changed it pretty much every day, you know? Um, but I, I, I still found out when I moved out that I had some mold on some of this stuff and that's just because moisture and is that how mold, m- mold generally grows or? Uh, mold needs a nutrient. It needs oxygen and it needs moisture. 
So if you have a, a basement, particularly if you have a basement that's built out that has uh, uh, any sheetrock. So sheetrock has plaster, but it's got the paper on the outside, and then that gets wet, maybe a little flood or maybe a sink overflows, or, and then that gets wet. Now you have the nutrient, which is the cardboard or the, the paper on the outside. It's got plenty of oxygen, and now you've added water. Mold is already in the air. It just starts growing. Okay. And, and different, it's, it's kind of interesting. Molds, different types of mold grow just like different types of plants or trees. I had a, 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 a doctor um, of mycology at UNH told me one time, if you think about, uh, you look out your window when you're driving by a Joshua tree, you know you're probably in the desert. And if you look out your window and you see a hemlock tree, you probably are in wetlands or in a, a wetter area in the north. Molds are the same way. You can have something like stachybotrys, which is known as the black toxic mold. It takes a lot of moisture, usually 90% moisture in, in building materials. And if, uh, if it's more dry in the 60s or 70%, you might have just cladosporium growing. Uh, in between there, you have aspergillus, penicillium, cladosporium, I mean, all, all kinds of different molds. Uh, but they take different climates uh, to grow different types of mold, just like trees or plants. Yeah, I, I, they got to. There, uh, there has to be a purpose for mold. Like you know, like so. What? What's the? What's the? Like the the purpose for mold? Why is it on this earth? What is it? It must help us in some way as well, right? Like, or is it only a negative thing? No, you think about just think about fall. So all the all the leaves fall off the tree. If you take a look at those leaves once they die and they grow to the ground, there's plenty of moisture on the ground. Then you look at all these black spots all over them. It's mold. So mold is biodegrading. The natural waste. I didn't, sorry, sorry. No, it's it's okay. That, uh, but that that that's the reaction that we want. I, I literally had no. I, I that just was like because I I grew up in New England, so I've seen fall all the time, and I like I've picked up and crunched the leaves, and I've seen the little blacks. I didn't think. I didn't think. I didn't think. Yeah. No, I don't know what it was. Thank you. See, I, that's so, so. It's the step before the you know before maybe like fungus comes in and, and returns it back to. You know, because that's what fu fungus is really good at that, right? Is mold maybe does the same thing or? F uh, fungus is mold. Fungus it's, is it's, mold. It's the same, same, yeah. same thing. Same family. Um, but you, you think of the tree, tree falls. Um, you know, it's not, it's that old thing, but does a tree fall in the forest? Do you hear it if you're nobody around? But um, if you look at a tree that's been sitting around for decades, you can see how it's all broken apart and it's been biodegrading and it, ends up going back into nutrients and into the earth. Yeah. And, and mold is what helps things to do that. Okay. So I, 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 for some reason in my head, I wasn't thinking of, of fungi as a mold. And I, pr I probably did learn that along the way sometime. You know, they probably taught me that in biology or something mm -hmm. and said, you know, yeah, of course that is. And that, so that, that's its purpose. And that, so it's a good thing. It's, it's trying to help us out, trying to, you know, the, the right. natural cycle of life. Right. Okay. So it's a, you know, thank you. Thank you, mold. Yeah. yeah. Giddy up. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, can you can you get sick from the from the mold on the on the trees and the in the uh, well again allergies we, yeah we all have uh, different susceptibilities if you have uh, well, that's why mold in indoor air quality is is a much much more problematic issue because the concentrations get really high it's closed you don't have good airflow if you're outside you have a lot of fresh air and molds growing you know it's it's flowing all over the place. In the summer and the fall, you have levels of cladosporium and other molds that are, you know, 10,000 spores per cubic meter of air, which is really high. 
But you go indoors, you can get up in the hundreds or millions of spores per cubic meter of air that people are breathing. And that's when you can really smell it. And it's kind of, you know, they, people talk about a, a, a dank yeah. basement. Well, that's because you've got, you know, water and moisture and some kind of organic material. People put cardboard boxes in storage. They put it in their basement, and the basement gets a little bit wet, even if it's through the cement, just a little bit of moisture. Yeah, cement breathes. Yeah, sits there for a long time. You pick up the bottom of those uh, cardboard boxes, and it's all, yep, it all falls apart because it's being digested by the, by the mold. Yeah, that's that's it's so funny. When my when my wife was pregnant, she she loved the, that smell, that mold smell. <laughs> you know, it was like kind of funky. You know that, yeah. that the, the the deep dungy basement smell. You know, she'd go down to do our laundry, and she's like, "I'm like, what are you doing?" <laughs> you know, the, the 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 pregnancy mind it, it does funny things yep. to us. The women that get pregnant, uh, they they all have uh, their good things and their bad things that they uh, that that seem to. Uh, uh, build up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like, well, I don't know if you should be smelling that mold, but I'll let you, you know, right, right. if that's making you happy, you know, okay, have giddy it. up, have at it. Usually it's some kind of food that they want. You know, there's, there's, they, they, they used to love pickles. Now they hate pickles. They, they love pickles. Never did. And, yeah, exactly. Know. Right. It's, it's so funny. You know, my, and you know, my wife is vegetarian and she was just like having some of these, like, like she wanted like pepperoni, you know, I was like, <laughs> what? Like out of all the meats, that's the one you want pepperoni. You know, uh, I don't think she, I don't think she indulged, but, um, you know, I think she did like the fake pepperoni, which that's a whole other thing. Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So it's, Basically, like when we're testing, um, you know, we're testing air, water, soil, you know, or cannabis, we're, we're generally like in this day and age, we're looking for uh, three or four things, right? Like it's, it's, it's the mold, mm-hmm. it's the pesticides, it's the heavy metals, and then maybe we're testing for bacteria? We are testing for bacteria. Okay, There's okay. My, the microbials are bacteria. There's some of the pathogens, like salmonella, E. coli. Uh, very, very rare to find that. So it's micro it, it, that it's it's microbials across the board, not just bacteria. Right. Okay. Right. And um, yep, you're right. The heavy metals, the pesticides, uh, solvents. Solvents are tested when there is a production uh, activity that uses a solvent. Um, they might uh, they might heat things up with with butane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we look for those kind of solvents. Uh, if you are making gummies or hard candies or uh, concentrates, but you're not using any kind of solvents, then uh, the OCP doesn't require you to test for it. So they don't require you to test for the, the solvent? For the solvent, because you're not, it's not used in your production or your manufacturing of your end product at all. What do you now? What do you think about that solvent? You know, because like, there's a big there's a big push right now for people in cannabis to go towards like salt. You know, it's not a big push, but there's some people who are starting to market like solventless, uh, you know, extractions. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Uh, I I think that if they can they can do that, I think it's a better way to go. It's just less chemicals that are um, involved in the process. Yeah, I think that um, there are there are a lot of really good extraction labs out there that don't use any solvents. For sure, and I'm curious though. Is, is you, do you are you saying that it's bad to use solvents, like uh, you know, for extraction? No, not if it's if it's used properly. But it doesn't mean that um, you know it's like pesticides. If pesticides are used properly, you know that's great. But if you use it in a, in um, in a way that it's uh, left behind and gets into your food products or gets into cannabis, and that's when we test it and we find it, that's a problem. 
Yeah. Right. Like what is someone doing like a, you know, like an ethanol extraction and make an RSO, mm-hmm. you know, that like that doesn't sound so bad. No, none of, none of it is bad when you, when you, when the process is done correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the more difficult things are like heavy metals because uh, heavy metals come from the soil. And when you have the seacoast, there's a lot of arsenic in the seacoast soil uh, naturally. So if you have plants or even vegetables, uh, cannabis that's growing and you're using soil, uh, your chance of having the uptake of those metals into the plant is a lot higher than if you're using, um, you know, something like cocoa soil, which doesn't have real soil in it, and you're just adding the nutrients to the water. Yeah. So would you say that's a... it's that's a tough thing to say. Like that, you know, would you say it's better to do the cocoa uh, versus the regular soil? Like I love real soil, and I think that that's the. What I, I would before, you know, as of right now, my opinion, and I'm always mm-hmm. my opinions can always change and can always grow with more information that I get. But I, I would like my friends who are doing it with the soil and doing the living soil and, and you know and you know putting their flour back into their you know back in there you know creating their own nutrients via that way like right. that I think that's the biggest giddy up. Um, opposed to doing like the cocoa and, and adding adding nutrients because that's an, that's another chemical too, right? Yeah, I think you know I've seen it where people are using soil and um, they they basically what they say they they chelate or what they do is they add uh, the nutrients with water towards the end without soil and the plant will take that up and kind of get rid of the the, the metals um, and and that's one way that they can use soil that that kind of cleans it before it goes to production. But on the other hand, uh, if you're using the cocoa soil, you know there's no metals and you really don't have to worry about it. Right. Yeah, the, yeah there's no metals and that's that, that. So there's the, you trade off the metals. So what would you say is, is worse, the metals or maybe the, the chemicals that could come in pesticides? Probably the chemicals that could come in pesticides. But I do know, um, I know a lot of growers that are growing and they use soil, and they grow outdoors, and they don't have a problem with pesticides. They don't have a problem with metals, and they don't have a problem with the microbials. Uh, so they're doing something right, uh, and they're capable of doing that. Where I've also heard other growers, um, they grow outside. They're like, you know, anybody that's going to test for microbial is going to fail uh, by the standards used for the adult use. Uh, that's not true. We see outdoor grows, uh, you know, having clean products all the time. In adult use? Yes. Uh, in medical and in medical, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, because I, I would I would I would have had ventured to guess. I know a lot of my friends who are you know who are in you know medical and and also in adult use, but you know I'm thinking just medically specifically now that that are growing outdoors and they just have such a clean operation. And I you know I've seen some of their tests that they've shown me, mm-hmm. and they've all come they're all so clean looking. So it's like, damn, you guys are doing this right. And, and of course that. They could be giving me someone else's test or like whatever, but like right. I trust my friends, dude. These are good people. Um, you know, they're they're respected in this industry, and they, you know, when they show me, I'm like, damn, dude, this is this is wonderful. This is wonderful that you're able to do this. Right. Um, keep doing it. I think it's uh, you know, it, it it it's got a lot to do with uh, the knowledge and almost an art, like like cooking. You know, any of the, the chefs that are in the kitchens that are making their products. Uh, I think the cultivators are the same way. I think the guys that really have a lot of knowledge and and treat it as an art and a, and a love and a passion, I think they can do it right because I've seen the products and I've seen how good it looks with the testing. Um, so I've also heard that people have said, uh, you know, if it's an outdoor grow, um, you're going to fail every time. Um, that's, I, I, I've seen a lot of outdoor grows that, that pass all of the tests um, 
uh, on the medical side, but by the standards that the adult use market uses. Yeah. Okay. Now, would for the microbials, would there be a like uh, is that uh, is that a necessary test for the you know for the for the outdoor grows? Is that is that one definitely necessary? It's one that is required on the adult use. It's not uh, required on the medical side. Uh, I think that. Well, there's you know, no testing on the medical side right now. Correct. Right? Nothing's required. Nothing's required, right. right. And again, I, th- I think it's the same thing. If you are ingesting or you are inhaling um, a, a cannabis that uh, has a lot of microbials in it and you don't happen to be susceptible to those particular microbials, you're probably never going to have a problem with it. If it happens to have some microbials in there that you are personally susceptible to or allergic to, could create some problems for you. Yeah, so the, the best way is just to get them out. Right. Get them out. Right. And yeah. And so, like, we, like if people are doing it and they're, they're, so there's a successful model out there, so people should be able to do it. And that, that's, that's great. Now, I'm curious about the arsenic. That's just because it's, it's in the soil here. Do you know why it's in the soil? Well, a couple hundred years ago, uh, a lot of the orchards that were in this area, uh, they used arsenic as a pesticide. Okay. And now it's in the soils, and it's very heavy in the um, in the um, New England seacoast area. Mm-hmm. That's so funny that they were using arsenic as a as a pesticide. I, I yeah. so like it, it, you know, arsenic as a uh, you know. I'm trying to think of arsenic, like how it, you know, it, it comes in, in liquid form. Uh, usually it's a powder that they're powder, spreading yeah. out That's, that's what I thought. Okay, that's what I yeah. assumed. Okay, so it's a powder. That's that's a little bit more different. But I would say that there's a lot of pesticides are powder. You know, a lot of pesticides, mm-hmm. that, you know, there's a mix. But, you know, some are liquid, some are powders. Yeah. So they were just going to all their, going to all their orchards, throwing in some, some arsenic to kill all the, obviously the arsenic's going to kill whatever critters are coming, right. <laughs> coming by, you right. know. Like to get even, some of those apples. But even today when people are buying uh, property, uh, if it was an old orchard or a current orchard that's been around for, you know, centuries, it, it, they're, they're going to have an arsenic problem, and then it has to be cleaned up before it can be sold. Okay, yeah, they're going to have to mediate it. Yeah. Okay, and now what's, like, what's, what's, do you know, do you know any about those processes? Like, what is a mediation process for arsenic? What, like, what do you do? Uh, the remediation process, that's normally where we'd call in the uh, environmental engineers, environmental um sometimes environmental chemists that work in the field. Okay. But uh, most of the time they're having to remove that soil and replace it with clean soil. Wow, they get full, a full replace. So yeah. that's the remediation. When I think about remedi- remediation, I think about like they're adding something to it to mm-hmm. make it better. And they're, 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 um, they're taking out a little bit of it and putting in some more soil. Yeah. But in this case, you're talking that they're fully uh, removing it. It's, it's interesting because we had a um, – we had a government contractor uh, uh, that was having a problem with lead, and the lead was found around all the old lighthouses that the government owned. And it was the lead paint that they used, and <laughs> over decades and decades, it dries up and it chips, chips off. off, and it falls into the soil, and guess what? Now it's in the soil. So that, is, that was the remediation at that time as they went in, they dug down until, and they kept testing until there was no more lead. And once the soil was cleaned up, they replaced it with clean soil. Okay. That's, that sound, sounds pretty good. It seems <laughs> like we're in a, we're, you know, just like a, a big toxic soup, you know, like we're all swimming around in. And I know we gotta, we got to feed ourselves and we, and we got to smoke our weed. 
and we, you know, but like, it's, it's, it's hard. It's like, we just, you know, we, I think we over, we over cultivate the land. You know, we, we try to, you know, we just make it a thing where we're having to bring in all these pesticides and do things unnaturally a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think most of the uh, cultivators these days and, and farmers, you know, find ways to, um, to naturally get rid of the bugs. Uh, Sometimes they use other bugs. Yeah. You know, that like to eat the, you know, the, the, the critters that are damaging their crop. Yeah. So that's really cool. And sometimes there's like even like sometimes there's even miss like, uh, you know, education out there that isn't always a- appropriate. Like some people think like aphids are, are going to come and kill your uh, kill all your, your plants. And like that's just they're really not that bad. Right. You that's, know, that's that's one of the remediation processes that some cultivators use is they use aphids. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's cool. Um, I think that. Yeah, you said they just put aphids all over their plants. Right, but you have to be careful because one of the tests is uh, is is filth and foreign matter that is required by adult use, and if the aphids are still in there, uh, it will fail. Uh, so you have to make sure that you get all the aphids out. A- yeah. Wow. Okay. Now um, that's a, a the big question on like on everyone's mind right now. Uh, Maine is is one of the last, uh, you know, one of the last states in, in you know in the country where in their for their medical market they don't require testing. Um, in the adult use market, does require testing in the you know up here and there's a big um, you know separation uh, you know behind the scenes of of you know the different uh, you know the operators from medical uh, not wanting to to have to be um, forced to test and the adult use. Uh, you know, players saying, hey, if, if we have to do this, they should be doing it, uh, you know, as well. Um, I I know that recently that, you know, OCP has been trying to do that to Maine, to, to Maine Medical and to bring that on and to get them to, to do testing. Um, they recently, uh, you know, they recently did a study that I, I you know, I believe was, uh, you know, I know it was released out there. You shared it with me. I, you know, I reviewed that study. Um, and it did, you know, it, there was some, you know, some startling facts that, that came from that report. Um, how do you, how do you feel about the, the, the whole, you know, the industry, uh, you know, as a whole in terms of medical versus adult use and what is the, you know, what is the, the path forward here? Well, you, you got to remember I'm, I'm a chemist and I own a lab. So, uh, you know, a lot of people think, well, he's just going to say you have to test because it would be beneficial to the labs. Uh, the fact is, I personally believe that the public has a right to know. I think at the very minimum, packages that are tested should say that it's been tested, um, and it packages of product that have not been tested should say this product has not been tested. And I think at a minimum, that resolves the problem of the public has the right to know. And so uh, if you want to smoke uh, cannabis or you want to uh, ingest cannabis, and partake in it, at least when you buy products, you know. And, uh, and I think that would be uh, a, a great starting place. Um, I think that, uh, you know, again, uh, when you're younger, uh, metals can uh, accumulate in your body. So as, as you're younger and try to develop, you know, lead, mercury, they can create a lot of problems uh, with, with youngsters. I think that... Um, uh, it would be better to know that if you have youngsters um, and you're smoking around them or you have gummies, um, you certainly don't want them to get a, 
a whole of them. I think that's a but whole e- but even an eighteen year old, even an eighteen year old, or a twenty one year old who you know we're still trying to protect these people because their brains are still growing. Right, right. So I, I think that it, just having the right to know, you can say, okay, uh, I'm younger. I'm probably going to you know choose a product that's been tested. But at least the public, uh, you know, when you buy something, you know. I I would have to agree with you, hundred uh, percent. I think that putting uh, you know, putting a, definitely like the label idea is, is a great idea. Um, you know, like just people saying, hey, this product is tested or it's not tested. It's not necessarily forcing the grower or the operator to to have to do that mm-hmm. um, because that's that's the, the, the problem, guys, is there's a there's a system that adult use currently. So it's not just like, you know, the, uh, currently adult use doesn't just want main medical to. Uh, start to test. They want them to be tracked and and uh, and be part of the same system that they're a part of, right. which is called metric. And metric is a system, is a software system that that is seed to sale. You you know you have tags on your plants, you have tags on tags on your seeds, tags on your plants, you know tags on everything, and and it's all being processed through you know this system, and it goes to the test. It goes to the test with you. You have ac- you have access to this, right? You have access to the people. Oh, it's mandated for us to use. It's mandated. So yeah, you explain it then. Yeah, so uh, once once we receive it, we have paperwork. We also have um, it's electronic, so we uh, we have to put information about how much cannabis did we receive, and does it match the paperwork that's in the track and trace system, which is metric. And if it doesn't, it gets kicked back. Uh, so the the amount that we receive is is logged. Uh, and then we use certain amount to test the samples, and anything that's left over, we have to log that as well, and then we have to properly dispose of it. So every every gram of material that is being uh, given to the laboratories is track and traced, and then it's either tested or it's disposed of, uh, and uh, that's the end of the. Or product. both, it's yeah. it's 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 tested and then disposed of. Right. So it's it, uh pretty pretty cumbersome uh it's it's a very detailed system uh for sure and if you get if you get it wrong um the system will kick you out uh if you say you put in uh that you're giving a lab 16 grams and there's only five grams of product uh, it gets kicked out Um, and and we don't do that we put the amount in and then OCP sees it through this track and trace. And I think that's their way of saying, okay, if they said they gave you 16 grams, but there's only nine grams there, where's the other seven grams? Uh, I think that's their way of finding it. Generally, it's just a mistake on uh, whoever's doing the paperwork. Right. Uh, so we, we try to, you know, we try to work with OCP and uh, whoever the uh, cultivator is that's given us the product. How many, um, how many, like you know, you're saying 16 grams. What what is a what does an operator need to send you to you know to have each strain tested? Or like how, you know what is what is that working at? If they're growing, you know, say they're growing 100 plants of the same strain, you know, how much of that do they need to send to you? It, it's all based on the the product weight of the batch. So if a if a batch is you know 1,000 kilograms or 5,000 or 10,000, that amount has a specific uh, weight they have to turn in. So they'll either turn in, you know, five grams of product to us or nine grams or 16 grams or 22 grams, depending on how big their batch size is. 
And then it's the same thing with gummies. There's pieces. So if they have, uh, if they're producing 500 or they're producing a thousand or 10,000 gummies in that batch, then they have to give us a specific, uh, amount of, of gummies to be tested. Okay. That, I, that makes, that makes sense. The, the, but like they're, it's a batch. So like they're, what they're, they're having to cut down, they, whatever they cut down, um, you know, say in this, we're talking about flour, whatever they mm-hmm. cut down, they have to put that into a batch. So like, that's what the companies are doing on the back end. They're cre- you know, we're going to grow this strain. We're going to test this strain because we know we're, we're growing this much of it. And we need to get this, the, you know, but that's not how, how is that being representative of, of every plant? Like, that's what I'm confused well, about. Cause like you could be doing generally, yes, a grow is going to be doing every single thing to the same plant. Cause right. that's just what business is. You know, of course you're going to be doing that in business, but what's to say that like, they're not just growing one plant and then they just give you 22 grams of that one plant to oppose. Well, to that's them. the purpose behind the tags on each individual plant. Uh, and that's, this is what the cultivators are responsible for. So if, if they have a tag on each individual plant, plant, all of that is, is documented when they're taking samples. So they have to take so many samples from different plants in different areas of the plant that correspond to the bat size. So it's supposed to be a representative grab sample to uh, to allow the OCP to say, okay, they've they've taken samples from different areas of that strain, um, and it's a good representation of what they are uh, producing. Right, and it's all like the you know these these operators do have to have like cameras and stuff in their their grows and their facilities. So like I I suppose that um, you know if they said, oh yeah, well I'm taking. You know, I'm taking two grams from this plant, two grams from this plant, two grams from that plant, and give, and you know, it's all from this batch. Then you might, you know, you you, you they'd be able to go and tell whether you're actually doing that. Well, not know. only that, Steve, not to interject and but not to be the criminal in the room, but if that would be one of the dumber ways to get caught doing something, and the the penalty would be so not worth the little scheme you just pulled that it, you just you just do what you're supposed to do. It's not there's no benefit to trying to scam that. Yeah, I, especially if you get caught. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand that you're not that you, that that's not the the move. You don't want it. You don't want to do that. I'm just trying to understand like why you know how the the system is. You know the, how the system is working. Right. And being better a, point. Tr- better point. My fault. No, all good, baby. Com- completely representative of like the you know the number that you're getting. And right. That's just that. I guess you are doing that. And it's the, right. And it's the same thing with the kitchens. So the kitchens make you know a, a thousand or ten thousand gummies in their particular batch, um, and they're it's all being monitored. Uh, they have to document it. They have cameras on them. Um, it does seem like uh, I know that the OCP has gone out and investigated or inspected, and I've heard from different customers uh, who are our customers that are testing that this has occurred. I've not really heard of anybody getting busted for that. Um, I don't know that they don't do it, but from everything that I can tell, that's that's kind of something that they w- would be easy enough to do correctly. So why? Yeah, they're doing. Why go on the wrong path on They're that doing way? it correctly. Um, a hundred percent. I agree with that. Now the the other are, are the cameras and the, that monitoring system. You know, is that a necessary thing for this track and trace program? Because it seems like something that OCP would want to. Uh, OCP is Office of Cannabis Policy. That's what we call it here in Maine. Um, you, so they would want to, you know, like they can go and look at the cameras and, and look at the, you know, look at, is that something that they would want the, you know, the medical? Because this is a, I'm, I'm just trying to get the audience to see like, this is a big cost. 
this is a ginormous cost mm-hmm. that would be, you know, the, the software having to create maybe, uh, you know, new uh, stuff within your facility, you know, whether that's like CCTV, you know, some type of recording, whatever, you know, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, the security system is definitely a huge cost. I mean, uh, the laboratory, uh, I think we have uh, upwards of like 30 cameras in our facility. And uh, f- f- what I was told when I asked, you know, how many cameras we need, I said if there's a fly on the wall and you can't see it, you need a camera. So um, we wow. had we had cameras all over the place, and then uh, when we got our final inspection, they basically said we can't see their face walking through the door and turning around and walking back out the door. So we had people coming in that you had cameras on, but they wanted it on the coming out as well. So uh, yeah, that's and that's something that the cultivators, uh, their security system is even. Uh, bigger than ours because their facilities are bigger. They've got more going on. More robust, yeah. So that, that's like it, when, when you say to people like, hey, medical guys, you just need, you need to take on this program. You need to start doing metric. It's not just like, okay, fine, whatever, the, the $19.99 a month for the software, we'll pay it and we'll pay our employees to, to have to do all this extra work and, and the extra work that goes into that, the paperwork, the recording of it, the accounting of it. Uh, it's going to be like, no, we actually have to make this ginormous investment into our, like we have to change our business model. We have to change our SOPs. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a, it's a huge cost. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a cultivator, so I can't tell you, uh, how to cultivate. I know based because they're my customers, what they're doing most of the time, but, uh, the, the fact that they do have to go through metric and anybody that's gone from medical to adult use, it's usually the metric that's difficult. It's not only that for people that are already in the adult use system, and the person that uh, the cultivator, let's say, that is using metric and they're documenting everything, and they leave a company and somebody new has to do it. There's always a huge learning curve. Um, it it some, often takes weeks or months. Wow, so that's that's a lot. You know, that's a lot to put on to put on people who are, you know, all are small business owners. You know, a lot of them don't have. You know, outside some of them do. Don't get me wrong. There's some definitely outside funded, you know, BS places in Maine that are that are running. But most of these places are small business owners. You know, people who, you know, were legacy beforehand, or they did. You know, they were landscapers beforehand, and they said, "Hey, I want to throw my hat in the ring here." Yep. Um, so, like, I, I, I see. A, I, I see what you're saying, and you know, there, there. We need to have. I care about the patient the most, the consumer the most. Mm-hmm. So I want everyone to be able to operate their business and to be successful operating their business, but I care about the consumer and the patient the most. So there's a compromise to be made. I don't yeah. think that you need to force this, um, you know, this metric system on, um, you know, on the medical people I, I, in, the, in the medical market. I think you do need to get them to test, and I think that there's, uh, you know, there's definitely ways that are being talked about within the state right now of ways to do that. Uh, you know, you and I we talked about how, you know, the the Currently, some cultivators and operators are coming together in the medical space and saying, hey, guys, let's self-regulate. Let's self-regulate so that we don't need to deal with, you know, we can not have to deal with this BS. Because guess what? Guess what, guys? Already, I would say, and you'll know better than me, but from my, from being out there and talking to people, I would say that already 50 to 60% of the medical, at least the successful medical people are already testing. They already have some type of testing within their in their program. It's definitely not like the adult use, you know, where they're where it's tracked from every single plant. But mm-hmm. I know that 
you know, every time that my, you know, my, the good growers that I know, every time that they take down, you know, a harvest, yeah, of course they're, they're handing over, you know, 20, 30 grams to a, to a lab to figure out what's going on with that cannabis so that they can then tell their patients what, you know, what's going on and to make sure that they're doing right. You know, they want to, this is data for them, you know, data. Okay. This is the, we, we did this and we got this outcome without that. It's, you can you can have good flour and you can sell it to people and they can get high and sure but like you're not actually you don't actually know what's you know what's truly going on without the without those numbers right i think um you know with any industry you're going to have people that uh will jump in and and do what they think is is right and there's going to be people that just don't want to do it um and i and i just think that's 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 part of um that's just part of human nature like uh, if if it becomes regulation, it's different. I've actually been working with um, with a group of of the medical uh, cultivators that are have had a lot of questions to me about how do we self regulate. If we could develop a way to self regulate so that we're not told how to do it, but we regulate ourselves uh, within our own industry, we would much rather do that than have the OCP or regulations put upon us and forcing us to do certain things. We want to do what's right. We want to test. We don't want to put materials out there that have pesticides or heavy metals or microbials. Um, so they, the discussions with me have been, what would you do and how would you do it? And it's been a very open conversation. Uh, but they, the person I've been talking to said he's got a, you know, a, a hundred different medical uh companies that are are willing and want to self-regulate i have no idea what the ocp thinks about that and i have no idea how many of the people that he says he's representing um uh would be willing to you know self-regulate but it sounds like that would be a good idea if they could self-regulate and show that they are um putting out a really good product and yet they're doing it the way they want to do it not the way they're told to do it do you have any suggestions on that? Have you have you helped them with any suggestions that you that you're willing to share with us today on on uh, you know practices that uh, you know SOPs and standard operating practices that they might be able to use? We didn't really talk about this, the the uh, uh, SOPs. We talked more about if you were to test for certain tests, what would they be? And it, it, it was the pesticides and the heavy metals. Uh, when it came to the microbials, there was a a, a deeper discussion because microbials, particularly yeast and mold, is the one that fails the most. Uh, yeast and mold happens to, uh, you know, like we talked earlier, if you've got a sensitivity to that mold, you're liable to react to it. If you don't have a sensitivity to it, you won't react to it. So how do you test for something along that realm? Uh, so, And the other thing is, is that when we test, we often test for all molds. Some molds, such as cladosporium, are not very harmful to us, and we, we breathe a lot of it during the summer and the fall when, you know, the leaves are falling. We talked about it at that time. But uh, there's also things like aspergillus, uh, aspergillus niger, aspergillus fumigatus. Those are very dangerous molds, and some of them can produce mycotoxins. The testing that we do doesn't differentiate between that. The testing we do basically says it's got mold or doesn't have mold. So that was the discussion that we went down with the medical guys. If we can find a way to test specifically for these harmful molds, 
uh, we might be passing a lot more often because we're not failing based on the molds that are not very harmful. So it was an interesting discussion. Is there is there a way to do that? Is there a way to, to do those tests? There, there are labs out there that do DNA testing. Those are specific for uh, species and subspecies of molds that are harmful. Uh, there, we are actually looking into uh, some of those test kits that would allow us to specify what species that are harmful are, are being detected versus not. I think that would be really the way through. Yeah, I think it would, it would allow more people, I think it would allow more people to pass and, um, We'll see. We'll, well, see. It, well yeah, it's, and, and too, if it's identifying, you know, you can you can pass, and this is all stuff that can go on the label. You know, you can right. go on the label. You can have a little QR code on every single product that you could just scan on, and then it brings you right to this thing. You know, that that state state run or state, you know, make the, the state ensures that you can see it, and it says, hey, this is what's in this product. Right. This is what's in here. Um, and in this case, not the state run, but the medical guys would make sure that they, they would create this, you know, they would create an organization that would, that would do this. Um, I, I think that's a lot of, there's a lot of power in that. Um, you know, because I I just know that people are doing it right. I know, and I don't necessarily, maybe it's the adult use guys. They should have had the, the opportunity to do the same thing, to regulate on their own and to do the same, same type of deal. Um, I, I know that the, 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 the study that was commissioned, Mm -hmm. I want to just talk about that for a second because it was Basically, there was a they they according to OCP, they went in randomly to all these places and grabbed s- certain samples of you know of certain products, um, and you know of the I believe they got like 126 products, and of those 126 products, they said 30 failed for yeast and mold, so that that's that's the big one that you said that most are going to fail, so that's a fourth. Um, 26 failed for pesticides. Four failed for heavy metals, and then one failed for a filth in foreign material. Mm-hmm. Um, now the the that 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 number that total number ended up being I believe forty two percent forty two percent of of all samples were quote contaminated end quote. Um, that that was a that's a that's an alarming study for people to see. To say, oh, wait a second, you guys just went randomly into these places, and you've, and of the random 120 samples, you grabbed 120 of them. I mean, half of them, almost half of them, were were contaminated. Mm-hmm. That's bad. Yeah, I've not had any discussions with the OCP about how they conducted their study or uh, what their end goal was. I do know that I've read the the reports. I do know that when the OCP uh, 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 employees that went out and grabbed the samples. They brought them into the, the three labs that were certified at the time. So the three labs were very aware that the OCP was grabbing samples because they were they were end products. They were packages off the shelf from specific dispensaries. Which is different than what you normally get because normally you're just getting uh, a package from from a dispensary that's not an, an end product. Yeah, it's prepackaged. It's prepackaged, it's, right? It's, you're almost never seeing that probably unless you have some customer come in who wants to test a product or some random person just wants to test a product, very few and far between. Yeah, a residential will come in with a package and say, hey, I want to I test this. I just want to see what's in it. Uh, we get that from time to time. Time to time, but, but yeah. few and far between. Very. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I said, yeah, so you knew that you guys knew this was going on. Um, that's the, so for people just to like have an understanding the OCP, they switched, they switched directors, uh, you know, if, uh, about a year, a year ago now, I believe right. 2000 to December, 2020. And, um, 
there's a lot of, of talk that, that that maybe the OCP director is you know has stake in metric. You know he has relationships with metric. Um, just because he of pr- previous relationships that he used to have, he was a you know when he was at the Brookings Institution, he was a, a co-founder the Brookings Institute. He was a co-founder of um, you know co-founder of this company with these two gentlemen. Now you know one of these gentlemen is one of these gentlemen is is uh, you know is uh, the CSO of Metric, and um, you know they had you know he's there's been some times where people have asked him like were you a founder of this company? We see online that says you're the founder of this company, and he's denied that. Um, so there, that just makes me as a consumer worried uh, as a, as a person who's in the industry, because we want everything to just be done for the best for the, for the industry, not because somebody is, you know, maybe has stake in it. Um, so it's, so a lot of the medical people, you know, not necessarily that I'm saying this, but a lot of the medical people's point of view was that this guy was coming in to make sure that medical Maine was the last, you know, state that didn't have medical testing. This gentleman was coming into the state to ensure that no matter what Maine medical was going to get testing. Mm-hmm. Um, this study makes it seem like what if you're a person in Maine and you just see this, you're just a regular consumer going by, you know, you just, you know, you go to your local dispensary and you you see this, you know, this article in the Seacoast online or the the Port, the Portland Herald. Fifty percent of of the stuff that I've been that I've been getting is contaminated. What are you gonna think? Yeah, test those fuckers. Test them. Test them. Test them. Make them do the same as the adult use. Are you serious? We've been getting poisoned this whole time, you know. So that that there was a there's a, a lot of scare out there right now. There was a you know it was put on every single publication. Um, you know, do, do, what, what what are you what are you thinking about it? The the, well, the study. Yeah, I think. First of all, I don't know. I've never actually talked one-on-one with um, the new director. I did talk with the old director quite a bit. Um, the new director, I don't think, had anything to do with putting metric into place because he wasn't here when it was put into place. But um, I, I have no idea what his association is or is not with metric. Uh, seems like it would be easy enough to find out. But um, as far as the study goes, uh, I, I know that, you know, it was arbitrary on how they grabbed the samples from the dispensaries. Did they have a list of specific dispensaries or specific cultivators that they wanted to go grab samples from? I don't know. Um, the way that I that a way that I read the report, it was they were grab samples. They just went out and arbitrarily picked certain ones off the shelf. In hopes to show that this is what they were going to find, and that's what they found. Uh, I, you know, you'd have to ask the OCP about that. Uh, but certainly, if you look at it and you see that this is the level of contamination, uh, it doesn't look good on the medical side. It looks like they need to do more uh, as the adult use. Uh, if I was the public, that's what I would be reading. Yeah, if I was the if I was the public, that's what I'd be reading too, because I think it was like a you know adult use. They had it as like it was only like a three point four percent compared to the forty two percent for uh, you know contamination products, because they did test some adult use products as well. And, and guy, maybe you can expound on this. And sorry to interject again, but um, it, is this maybe a case of? And I'm not trying to insult our listeners or insult anybody who's worried about anything or people who want testing. I get it. Safety first. But is this maybe a case of we have a lot of resources, but people don't necessarily know what they're looking for? So, yeah, they can get it tested, but if they don't know what the test means, then what's the point of testing it? That sort of situation, I feel like, is arising a little bit. Well, what, 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 just to clarify so, your so question. To, clar- to clarify my point, it's like if I grab something, I, I just found out today through this episode 
that you know mold is the thing that's on uh, leaves when they when they fall on the ground. That that mold and fungus are the same thing. So there was a whole blind spot for me when it comes to mold and and fungus. So just because I got a product tested and you said it had mold on it, that doesn't represent anything to me beyond it has mold on it. I don't know enough to know whether that's good or bad. Oh right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what he's saying is because that. Thank you, Steve. Clear me, clear me up. I'm hundred percent. Like you. there is a, we need to educate the public because there's that forty-two percent rate. You know, failed uh, contaminants. But you you educated us today and said, well, guys, like of that, actually twenty-five percent of that forty-two percent came from mold and yeast, and we don't even know if those were bad bad molds or bad yeast. They might be tolerable. And and uh, is there food products right. where where yeast and mold are to- tolerable? The um. I think the difference there, and let me go back a little bit. I think historically we look at California condors and we look at the bald eagle, how they almost went extinct because of pesticides. So I think mostly historically we are all aware of what pesticides can do to the environment and to us as humans. Now, the environmental industry tests for those kind of uh, pesticides that have been outlawed already. The pesticides that we're testing for, we don't really look for those. We're looking for the ones that are in use. And so there are, I think there's 59 pesticides that we're looking for. If you go to an environmental lab and ask to have their normal pesticide run by a, a particular EPA method, I think there's eight. So we're, we're looking much deeper into it than the environmental sector is. Same thing with heavy metals. I mean, I don't know how many people know it, but the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland was contaminated, you know, his brain with mercury. Well, there you go. You know, so uh, you have these problems with metals, and people knew that. They would know that heavy metals, arsenic. Arsenic's one that, you know, that all you have to do is watch a a movie where a, a, a husband or a wife poisons the other one. Well, what are they using? They're using rat poison, which is just the arsenic. Yep. So we're, we're pretty aware of those. I think when you come to uh, solvents, it's the same thing. Uh, and lead in gasoline, we're all aware of that one. Solvents is the same thing. You know, we, we see a lot of solvents that have been out there and it, we know that they're, they're harmful and that we, when we breathe them, you know that there's solvents there. You can smell it. Yeah. Um, but we use acetone. I mean, people use acetone to remove fingernail polish. Uh, so Makeup. But you don't drink it or ingest it. So when you ask about microbials, microbials is a, is a kind of a different ballgame in my opinion. I don't think people do know as much about microbial contamination. They hear about E. coli because people die from E. coli poisoning in foods. Um, they have salmonella and people die and get very sick from from those those are pathogenic uh, microbials uh, same thing with like legionnaires but when you come to mold you know um, roquefort roquefortii that is a mold and it's blue cheese that's where we're eating is is roquefort roquefort <laughs> cheese you can go to the store and buy it is that harmful i suppose if you're allergic to blue cheese or roquefort yeah, it's going to be harmful to you. But most of the population, you're buying it. So it's not a problem. Uh, so it's the same thing. We're, we're looking at it. We're looking, we're testing a very broad level of microbes when we're looking at yeast and mold. And I think that there might be a way to kind of hone in on that and look for 
for the ones that are are uh, more harmful to humans than the ones that are not very harmful. And at the same time, to Jacob's point, educating the public on that, saying, guys, like, hey, if we do your label, the, the label system you're talking about, and you go into a place and you say, okay, this has some asparagus, some asper- asparagus in it. I'm saying it wrong. But how do you say it? Aspergillus. Aspergillus, exactly. I, I knew it. I could see it in my head. <laughs> Aspergillus. Um, well, that was funny. Pharmacy school was challenging for me. I would say <laughs> drug names. And people, my friends would be like, dude, no, that's not how you say it, dude. That's literally how you've been saying it in your head. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. Like, that's just how it goes. Yeah. But uh, so, like, yeah, maybe on the, the list it says there's a little bit of Aspergillus in this. Or this is the, you know, and in the, in the public knows because the uh, the grower and then the operator of the retail store, they have a list of, you know, to let people know, yes, guys, this is an okay thing. Mm-hmm. You can have some of this Aspergillus. And, we, and guess what? Because mm-hmm. guess what? You're eating mold when you go and have blue cheese at the, you know, at the store. It's not bad for you. Um, so like there was just a, uh, you know, a lot of things I think with the study, I know that if I had done this study and I was trying to, you know, get, there's just, I read it. And like you said, I read the study and I read it as, wow, this is a, a beautifully done study that, that shows that, that these were randomly grabbed samples and that this was, uh, you know, uh, this is bad. We need to fix this. You know, there's something going on in the medical industry with the, with the testing. I just had to do a little bit more research and, you know, cause I got, I read the study and I just love to get into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I, I, um, there's a, uh, there's a gentleman who, who you know, he's a, he's a, he's an, a, an attorney by trade and he's a, a journalist and he's a, you know, and he's an advocate for cannabis and he's very, very, uh, like astute and understands policy and, and, uh, all of it. And he, uh, you know, I follow him on, on, uh, you know, on social medias and Twitter and, to, um, so he can, you know, I can just kind of see what's going on. And I see, I was just curious if he had had anything to say about this. And he, and he is, you know, this gentleman's getting like, you know, his reporting has, you know, a lot of times he reports it first and then it gets, um, you know, it gets, um, what's the word when it's, uh, uh, solidified by the Boston Globe, you know, then the Boston Globe comes in and say, yes, that's true. You know, but he was the first one to report it. And, um, you know, he, he had, he had said that there was, uh, you know, there was somebody, you know, somebody had posted that, that, you know, so it says when they came into, when they came in our shop, when they, when they came in our shop, they specifically requested a single strain from a single grower. They didn't care about anything else. Just that one strain from that one grower. When we didn't have that strain, they drove to a different store in Warren looking for it. Dot, dot, dot. Seems cherry picked to me. Later, when I reached out to the growers, they explained that that was the last strain they had not passed testing. So OCP got that info on what failed and then went out and looked for it. And it says they never got that strain as a sample since it never made it to the shelves after not passing initial testing. So that, 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 that never got out there. That's, that's what this, this random person posted on on Facebook, um, and you know that that works at the store. And then this gentleman, who if that was just a random person posting on Facebook, I I don't know. Um, but then this person, you know, uh, his name's uh, Grant uh, Grant Smith Ellis. That's his name. He said, you know, just days ago, regulators in Maine alleged that the same products in the state's medical system were contaminated. Now, amid allegations that the OCP has close ties to the state's infamous adult use operators, many of, many of whom have tried on multiple occasions to use o- OCP to shut down most medical operators in the state, deeply concerning allegations have emerged over the weekend indicating that OCP engaged in fraud when collecting data for that recent study. Specifically, alleges at least one store employee on social media, the OCP was only interested in obtaining a specific train f- strain for testing from that shop. Parentheses, a strain that allegedly OCP knew would fail. 
If these allegations are true, they represent a shocking manipulation of the public health data collection process used by OCP. That is the kind of behavior that, without question, will catch the attention of lawmakers with Maine's powerful Veterans and Legislative Affairs Committee, currently in charge of OCP oversight. Now, that is the, like, one of the biggest things they taught me in school, you know, when I was learning how to, 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 uh, to, to, to uh, decipher uh, clinical research, you know, when we were going through statistics and I was taking, um, when I was taking these classes, they told me that, you know, selection bias, you know, all the there's bi- biases everywhere and we have to always be controlling for our, our biases. And this, to me, it seems like this is a, a, a huge, um, you know, red flag that this could be a selection bias, that they went in, they kind of cherry picked their, their guys. And that was when, like, let's just do a real test. Let's just do it for real. And maybe they did do that. That's just, you know, one person reporting this. But the fact that it is being reported on both sides does give me pause. Yeah, I've I've not heard that. I I have no idea whether the OCP did that or not. Um, I can tell you that I'm very aware that when somebody uh, on the adult use side has failed uh, for yeast and mold, I'll ask them two questions. I said, "Are your failures happening in the same room, time and time again, and is it the same strain? Because certain strains." Um, love or mold loves certain strains and other strains mold doesn't love. And so if the OCP is aware of that, they could basically go out and look for a particular strain that they know inherently uh, grows more mold. But I also know that um, the companies that I have talked to about that particular issue, they'll go out and say, wow, you know, yeah, the, 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 the ones that failed were all from that same cultivation room. So we, we, the last harvest, we went in and really cleaned that area up. Or, yes, it was the same strain, so we're no longer growing that strain. Um, does it happen with everybody? I, you know, I, I haven't really paid that close of attention to it. But I do know that when I talk to cultivators when that do fail and they do that, it, all of a sudden they're, they're passing a lot more often. So. Yeah, that 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 seems like uh, I, I thank you, guy, for being like a super uh, forward, honest, trans. This is the you know you're the guy who I want running in my lab. You know you're the guy who I want running our lab in the state because you 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 have ethics and you have morality and you have integrity and that's like that's so important here. And you know you're you're telling me away. Like, guess what, guys? Guy would make more money if the medical people went to adult. I mean, went metric system. He would get more testing. It would be easier for him and. But he's over here telling, or like this is my perspective at least, and he's over here telling us that like, oh no, maybe there's a, a different way here. There's a different way for these people to do this because maybe it, it, it is too cumbersome and it is uh, not necessary for us to do this. Like the fact that you said 50, I, I, I get it. We're smoking this. So it is a little bit different than food. It's, a, a, you know, you're in terms of routes of administration, you're going to absorb something through your lungs, uh, you know, about a hundred times faster maybe sometimes with other drugs 200 times faster than you would, uh, you know, via, uh, you know, PO, by mouth. So I get it. Maybe we should be testing for 59 pesticides, maybe. But the fact that EPA, which is the Environmental Protection Agency, they only test for eight. That's, that makes me think like, damn, man, what, maybe we're being too hard on the adult use. You know, I, I've always said that. You know, we're being too hard on the adult use people. The medical needs to come up a little bit and, like, let's just meet in the middle. Instead of like the you know the adult use people trying to kill the the medical people and get them to to come up here, it's like no guys like you're you're already too high. 
you're probably already doing too much, you know, a little bit. It is great that you're getting these test numbers, but let's figure out a way that if we can scale this back a little bit, maybe. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I like the testing that is done in adult use uh, only because I feel very comfortable with those cultivators that are putting a product out. Uh, and I, I think that the, uh, the consumer, uh, I don't know if the consumer actually does know that one is tested and one isn't, but I do know that I feel comfortable when they're, when they're using certain cultivators and they always have a really clean product. It makes me feel good. I think um, that are there better ways of doing it? I think the industry is so young. You know, you're talking about three years old. I mean, I think it was it was um, regulated, you know, three years ago when we started doing the testing, but it became, um, you know, it was uh, approved uh, as a recreational um, material, I think, in 2016 yeah it's 20 yeah 2016 december 2016 i think that the first store opened like january 2020 january 2020 right but uh and then the testing you know really kind of started about three years ago that's a very very young industry so i think you're going to have a lot of this uh you know push and pull uh until we get it right and I think that in the end, we will. I know that a lot of the testing that we're doing is based off of other states. And we took other states and we did a lot of research on what the other states were doing. And we tried to find a happy medium. We didn't take the most stringent testing, um, but we didn't take the more, most lax test, 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 testing either. And and that that that's I think that's great that, that you guys did that. And I, I, I have full trust in you. And I, I think that you're doing... Um, you know everything 100%. I the the thing that I get worried about that when we when we're taking policy from other states is that, and, and I I know this to to be fact that the the OCP director the current OCP director he is from Colorado and he uh, you know his the, the the two gentlemen that I was talking about that that he is a co-founder of of mm-hmm. this company with he they were writing policy, you know th- that's what they did they they wrote the policy um, and you know that. Doing some research on these folks, you know, like, you know, you know, one of them, you know, they don't really even partake in cannabis. They're not, you know, they, they don't partake in cannabis, which I think can, can be a good thing. You told me that your staff, you know, is, is, is one third, uh, you know, Jacob's giving us the thumb down, you know, because that uh, giddy up. You, you told me your staff's one third partakes, one third, um, you know, one, one third, uh, you know, does it recreationally. One third doesn't smoke at all. One third smokes every day when they get home. And that's like that's a, a beautiful culture that you've that you've built, um, and that should be that should be everybody. And I think that some of these laws that were, were being written sometimes they were being written they were being written by people who you know don't didn't have too much experience in the industry or didn't really know. And hey, we had to figure it out. So like I guess I'm thankful that these people did you know took the time to write these laws. But we just have to make sure that they're not trying to like control the industry so that they can make the most money possible because they are the ones who wrote these laws and they understand them. Um, and that's, I think that like, you know, you coming over from Colorado and seeing that, you know, that what these guys did, it's like, it's just a, it's a little messy when you look into the the backgrounds of them a little bit, it's a little gross. And it's like, I, I never want to, I never want to think that I never want to think that people are manipulating it because I'm such like a, I think just like you, I'm such an honest businessman. You know, I just want to do good business. I just want to make the world better in a, in a way that I can with the skills that I have and share that with people. Um, but not everyone's like that. And that's what I'm nervous about, that maybe there's a situation here where 
you know, the leadership is there, there's, there's too much that's going on, you know, conflict of interest wise that, you know, for them to be, you know, shepherding it in everything in the right way. Now, I think that we're, we're powerful. People are powerful and it is such a young industry and we do need that. We don't want to go too high, too quick where it's, it's, it's hard to get back. It's hard to take things back. Mm-hmm. Once you give them up, it's hard to take them back. So like the adult use, guess what guys, you guys are already in metric. It's going to be really hard for you not to be, you know, to, to get some of those to, 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 you know, to draw back on your testing a little bit. Um, so they're going the other model of saying, no, let's make it hard. Let's make it even, we, we know how to do this already. Let's make it harder on us and, and, and harder on them too. Cause they're taking sales away from us. They're taking business away from us. Um, I, and I just, I don't think it needs to, it doesn't need to be that way. You know, we just need to be careful the, of, of what we give up. And I think what the people are doing here, coming together and talking about self-regulation, like that's not, you know, they're not just shelling up, you know, showing up and yelling and saying, hey, I, this, I, I think that you're wrong and this is a thing that you should do and you have all these conflicts of interest in this. And they're saying, well, no, no, I have a plan. And this is our plan to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool. I think it is. Uh, I think, you know, the, the honesty thing, uh, you know, you take all businesses from all walks of life and you're going to have some owners that have a culture of, of honesty and they won't tolerate, uh, you know, unethical, uh, behaviors or, or, uh, people that aren't honest about what they're doing in their work. Uh, when it comes to a laboratory, you know, everything we do is regulated. Uh, I don't know if people realize how regulated we are, that every, sample that we run has a, a negative control, has a positive control, has a, a curve that we run standards against to see if uh, what the results are going to be are going to be plus or minus along that curve so that when we get a result that's along that curve, it's going to be very accurate and precise. And I th- I'm not sure a lot of people understand that, that every test we run goes through that. And I think that um, I have hired people that I trust and that I expect their honesty, their integrity to be um, very, very strong. I think that if, if I were to suggest something, I'll guarantee you my staff feels comfortable enough to say that, oh, no, guy, we can't do that. Or no, no that, that won't work. It won't worry. we got to do it this way. They're very good about that. And, um, and that, that pleases me to no end. And I, and I would like to think that the other labs are the same way. But I know that not everybody is is honest. Not everybody has that kind of culture. And it only, sometimes it only takes one bad egg to, to give a laboratory or another industry, uh, the cultivators, a bad name. Um, I would like to think that all of the uh, adult use as well as all the medical cultivators uh, have that kind of integrity and that they want to do what's right for the public. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit different when you're in the medical because you are saying you're medical and you've got caregivers and you've got uh, patients that are walking in the door. And most of the time, or a lot of those times, those patients are immunocompromised already. So you've got to be really careful about some of the contaminants that could be in there on that side of the industry. Uh, but I, I think that uh, I think that the continued discussions and openness will get us there. Yeah, man, I, I, I do. I think that the openness and the discussions and, and just going down that path and, um, you know, just appreciative of you, man, for, for doing the doing it the way you're doing it. Uh, you know, I didn't know, like, you know, I don't know, like, I would, I'm, I'm a very, you know, I have such integrity in my life. I have such morality in my life. But I, I have, I, I would have a tough time maybe, you know, 
and I'm trying to do that here on a, on a grand scale in the mm-hmm. way that I can, but in a lab setting, I, I don't know if I, if I would be able to have that, you know, like I said, I, I, I just trust people and sometimes I trust them a little bit too much. And so like, you know, the, the, your, your judge of character, obviously you've been doing this for 40 years and, you know, it's, you know, it's with the, um, you know, advanced, advanced research associates. Absolute research associates. Yeah. Okay. Absolute resource associates. Resource. Absolute resource. So resource, which makes an absolute resource associates. It makes so much sense. Um, you know, and now you've been doing it in cannabis for, you know, for three years and I'm, I'm just super grateful that you are, you know, who you are <laughs> and that we're, we're getting to have this conversation. Cause I think that it's important. I think that a lot of people are going to, are going to resonate with it. I hope so. I hope so. I know that I've, uh, I'm pretty close with the other owners and, and lab directors in the other labs. And I, I'd like to believe that they are every bit as honest and have the integrity and ethics that I do. You shared that with me. And I, and I, I, I'm so glad that you, uh, that you just shared that with the audience because that's, you know, how, how about that? You know, like uh, how about the, the, uh, the operators take a, uh, you know, take a page out of, out of the, the labs books and say, Hey guys, like, you know, we got guy over here talking about how great everybody is in the industry. You know, I get, someone on here, an operator, and they say, yeah, sure, the other guys are good, but I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm yeah. the best, I'm the yeah. best, and, um, you know, that's that's fine, you know, but, like, what you're saying is, is a lot better, and, uh, you know, it's a lot better for, for humanity, a lot better for our community, um, and a lot better for us, so yeah. I, 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 I thank you a lot for that, my friend. No, oh, I appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity to say it. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, well, if, uh, you know, if anybody wanted to, you know, to come in and, and get any, and, you know, get any work done with you, how would they, how would they go about that? Well, you could, you could go to our website, you know, catlabllc.com. You could walk in the door, you could call us, you know. Okay. Uh, you know, we're, there's only four labs now that are certified. Three of us have been certified for three years while Nelson was around uh, as an, an environmental lab with soil, water, and air prior to the cannabis labs. Nova a little bit ahead of us, and then we were the third. And the fourth one, MCR, just did get their certifications, I believe, maybe four or five months ago. Yeah, I, I used to deal with uh, with Nelson, and they they're great. And I so I you know that's who I who I deal with. You know, they're 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 just such a uh, same thing, same as you. I went in there, and I was I I know science a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, because my degree, and I I asked them some questions, and they gave me the right answers back, and then. Just the relationship kept, you know, kept growing. I was like, okay, this is a good thing. You know, this is great. And, you know, now we're looking to, you know, to get, get going in the adult use space in Maine and get going up there. And it's, it's great to have a relationship with you. And I, uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm grateful for that because I know that we, you know, we operate in Massachusetts as well. And not just, I love all the labs in Massachusetts. I'm, I'm, they're probably great too, but I have heard some things, you know, that uh, just about, I think there's probably more labs in Massachusetts than there is in Maine. Yeah. Um, and I've just heard some, you know, some things. So I'm, I'm just glad that you, that you're able to talk about that. Uh, you know, and I'm sure that the other four CEOs and owners of the other businesses would say this, would say the same exact thing. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I do a lot of marketing and sales and, uh, there are some people that won't live, won't leave a particular lab. And, um, I will just, I'll tell them, you tell that lab director, you know, cat lab just waiting for them to mess up and then, you know, we'll, we'll take over. So, but uh, they, we know each other well enough to, I know that these customers have said that to those other lab directors or owners, uh, cause it comes back to me. It's, it's pretty funny. Uh, see yeah. that, that's what, that's what's so good. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, it comes back to you and you know, you guys are in control of it and you're all doing the right thing from what yeah. you said about your, you know, the, the, the random homogenized test that you did. And, 
Um, I'd be excited for you to do that again now that you guys have started to test pesticides to see that if that you did tell me that you kind of did a, a small test with the pesticides as well and you've got similar results, right? Uh, not with pesticides. I've, I haven't done that. The only thing I've seen with pesticides is what the OCP did. Okay. Um, we've we've done metals and we've done uh, THC. Okay, it was metals. It was metals. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay, so it was metals, what you saw. That, yeah. that was the same. Okay, yep. so cool. So maybe it would be worth it to do a, a, a pesticide test just to go and see, like, hey, to see. And this isn't, guys, this test is not to see whether there is pesticides in the in the cannabis. This is to see whether the labs are uniform between all four of them, and yeah. that we're getting the same numbers. Yeah, I think that uh, the labs have been talking about potentially putting a, a lab uh, association in Maine together just just for the cannabis labs. And that's one of the things that we would do is we would do, um, you know, kind of blind uh, homogenated sample testing amongst the labs, and then we would share the results with each other. Yeah, I think that I think that's a great a great idea. I think that's super powerful. I think that that will help out the the people in medical. It'll help out the people in adult use. Um, I'm I'm super excited to be a part of it. Super yep. super excited to be a you know a little little piece of the ecosystem. So, um, where uh, where can people find you personally, or if they want you know, or if, if that's something you want to share, you know, if you have like any social medias or anything, if you you know, you, you can just call. Cat Lab. Lab. Just okay. call Cat Lab and they'll find me. Heck yeah. Um, and if, um, you know, they'll, they'll give you my cell phone. I, most, most of my customers have my cell phone, so they call me 24-7 anyway. So. Yeah, right, of course. Where's my, <laughs> where's my test? Where's my, you know, what's, what's the message? I need this, I need this tomorrow. I did this yeah. six days ago. Actually, most of them are really good. They're, they're, um, they usually call with questions about, you know, sometimes they do call and say, where's my results? Or they'll have questions about the test results. You know, this isn't what I thought or it's why is, why is this test result fail? And how do I, how do I fix it? Cause they do have a chance to remediate it on the adult use side. So how did, how do you fix that? And, you know, so we have those open discussions about how they do that. So could you can, can you fix flower or maybe cause you maybe they're saying maybe you did the test wrong. That's why they let you redo it. Because, like, if you have pesticide in your flower, can you get the pesticide out of your flower? Is there a that's, remediation? That's a very difficult uh, remediation to, to do on the pesticide. That That is more of a remediation of the facility, wow. of, you know, where, where they use the pesticide. Uh, but uh, metals can be used for different purposes, um, you know, and um, certainly mold can be remediated. You can They have x-ray machines that uh, can actually remediate the mold without harming the plant. And that is often done. Then the then the sample is, is turned back in for a second shot at it. That's that's cool because I didn't I I, uh, I knew something was going on with uh, with the ultrasound and the the X ray. Yeah. Because I I've, I've seen these in in facilities when I've been there and I just haven't I haven't asked before. I've said like, what the hell is that doing there? You know, wait, wait, why do we need that in this? Right. Um. So thank thank you for sharing that. That's how you mediate some mold that way. That's, Re- that's remediate. I keep saying mediate. Rem- remediate. Yeah. yeah. Remediate. That's the, that's the better way to do it. Is X ray. Is X-ray? Yep. Ah, that's so that's fascinating. Yeah. And so mold, you can you can re- remediate, and yeast, you can remediate a little bit. Yep, same way. Same way. Any any of the bacteria. Uh, once you find you know E. coli, you're probably going to want to destroy that product. But we've only seen that once. Yeah. Uh, and it was in a product that wasn't flour or gummies. It was in an ice cream. So I think it probably came from one of the products that was added to make the ice cream, and it was probably already there. Yeah, it definitely came from the from the ice cream product, you know, yeah. not from the flowers. So that 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 makes me, um, you know, a, l- a little bit happier that you're not seeing, you know, you're not seeing the black mold, and you're not seeing that. So that's right. it, that's that seems like we're we're do, we're going in the right way, you know, going the right direction. Let's just keep making it cleaner, keep making it safer, keep making it healthier. 
Well, I also believe that the the cultivators that had some concerns or had problems passing certain tests um, early on uh, figured out how to do it better, and now they're passing much more often uh, at a much higher rate. That's the 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 way that they're growing their whole operation, or just their remediation tactics. No, the way they're growing. The way they're growing. Yeah. So their, their initial their initial tests are passing more often than they did you know, a year or two ago. Okay. And, and, and I just want to confirm, cause I, I know I've said it a few times in the show, but you, you do get a lot of people that consistently test in medical, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that's not something that I'm just saying. I want to just make sure that the, the audience knows that, that there are a lot of operators who are consistently testing and have good procedures that they follow. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're not a part of any, any system that's requiring them to do so. Right. Well, they, they obviously test for the potency on almost everything. Yeah. Um, but you do have those that come in that uh, in the last probably the last six months we probably had uh, many come in and test for the in, entire uh, entire panel. Okay, yeah, and just you know figuring it out, saying okay, this is what we got to do. Let's 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 you know the the only way is through, and we got to figure this out. Let's do it together. Right, that's really cool. The uh, looks like uh, you know it look, it look looks like we're uh, you know we're out of time. The, uh, if, if you guys want to, uh, you know, reach out to Guy or, you know, have some services by Cat Lab, um, you know, they'll definitely, that will definitely be in the show notes. So, so definitely reach out to him. Uh, you know, I've, I've had an absolutely wonderful time with you today, man. Absolutely wonderful conversation. I, my, my soul, my spirit feels filled up, you know, and is ready to go to, to, to um, further this journey of, of creating safe and, and good products for, you know, for the adult use, for the, for the medical space, and, and mainly for, for the patient and the consumer. Yeah, I, I look forward to making this a better industry and more discussions. Giddy up. Well, we'll have to have, we'll have, to have you on again then. Sounds good. Sounds okay. Good. Awesome, guys. Well, we will see you next week. If you guys need anything from us, you know where to find us. And until next time, giddy up.